Earlier this year, we shared a post about the ostrich effect, which refers to the psychological tendency to avoid negative financial information by simply ignoring it, referring to how an ostrich sticks its head in the sand when it senses danger, thinking that this will prevent it from getting hurt. If thinking about your retirement planning process fills you with a feeling of anxiety, you might try to avoid it altogether. And while that's understandable, it's not exactly ideal for your present or future self. So this episode is focused on helping you understand where to start when thinking about retirement and your income. Here are five step-by-step instructions for you to take to help you overcome that overwhelming feeling you might get when you think about your retirement planning process. Welcome to After the Paycheck, the series dedicated to helping people to and through their retirement process. I'm your host, Adam Bly. This week, I am here with Sam Lang. Great to be here. CEO and managing partner here at Rubino and Lang Wealth Partners. And Somebody owner. said I had too many titles once. Too many titles? Well, cut them down. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just Sam. The man with the... Just Sam. Just Sam I am. I've been reading Daphne... Um, Green eggs and ham every night, and oh, I think of you, you when yeah. I do it because we the guys Sam I am. Hey, at least somebody's thinking of me. Because hey, <laughs> <laughs> always, always thinking about you, Sam. Um, this episode is going to be based on. So we've gotten some feedback from other articles that we posted earlier this year, and one of them we did was called the ostrich effect. And the ostrich effect is when people are afraid of something or they they don't want to face something head on, they kind of stick their head in the sand. Just like an ostrich does. So sure, if, we've done it too. Exactly. Yeah. Right. If there's, I, I'm guilty of it myself. I procrastinate when I know that it's a hard challenge, and I'm not sure how it's going to go. I kind of tend to drag my feet, you know, maybe turn away and try to avoid it. But we've learned, especially with retirement planning, that might not be the best thing to do. Not a good solution. Right. If you know that you need to address your retirement planning solution, but you're just kind of hoping, oh, the day I retire, I'll just be able to look at everything and figure it out. That might be too late. So for this episode, we figured we'd go through step-by-step instructions to kind of help you overcome that that overwhelming feeling of anxiety you might have towards retirement planning. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, cool. So the first thing we have on this list is, number one, a mental mind shift, is moving away from that that multitasking, oh, I got to do a whole bunch of things at once and everything's on my plate, into just really focusing on what needs to be directly in front of you at that moment. Task at hand. Task at hand, right, right. And what is what is a way that we can do that? At least for me, for myself, I, I tend to perform better when I write things down or at least remember what I'm supposed to do. Yep. So, you know, every day, and probably a lot of people can relate to this, you go to work, you make a to-do list for today. So when it comes to retirement planning, write it down. You know, I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, I'll get around to figuring out how to, you know, save more and spend less. Right. Well, you know, it just doesn't happen by itself. <laughs> it's not on so, everyone's to-do list. <laughs> you're right. I mean, speaking of to-do lists, so when you write things down, I assure everybody can agree, it, it gets done. Right. So the other day, we're at home, the computer doesn't work, we found out the, we need new batteries and for the mouse. I don't know if it was double A, triple A, but whatever it was, we didn't. We had every yeah. other battery but that one. Yeah. Right? So I made a list, and I'm like, all right, batteries. And then I said, oh, you know, I'm going to CVS, guys, what do you need? And I started writing this, you know, laundry detergent, this and that. And, of course, I get to CVS and forgot the list at home. Right. So I literally bought everything, everything that's on sale. I got the mouthwash two, two for one. <laughs> I get home, like, I got everything but the batteries. The batteries, yep. So write there. it down. I think it goes in sort of really all aspects of life, mm-hmm. but especially when it comes to, you know, sort of – Getting the thing that you, maybe you ha- you can do better or how do you get there. But when it comes to retirement planning, write it down. Yeah. 
everyone has their own like technique for whatever. I know that a lot of people are going digital for like task lists and stuff like that. But Kristen makes fun of me because I still to this day, if I start to feel overwhelmed, like you're just saying, I make that to do list and I write it on post-it notes. And for me, I write them and I put it in my wallet. And then when I get wherever I need to go, I pull it out and I will physically cross off whatever the task is. And then I get to throw away the post-it note when it's done. And I feel so accomplished at the end of the day. Like, okay, I I, I had a productive day if I'm able to throw this away at the end of the day. Totally agree. Yep. And I think that um, your brain is able to kind of. I don't know. It feels more accomplished. I, yeah. I don't know what the psychology is behind sure. that. But there's, there's definitely a psychology behind that where okay. when you get that done, it, yeah. it, it works out well. So so what you should be doing right now, actually, is maybe write down <laughs> the rest of these steps so that way you know what to do. All right, here comes step two. Here comes step, step two. Step number two is think about where you're going to live. So before we start to do the rest of these steps here, it's really, you know, location, 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 like some people say. Yeah. What, why is understanding or thinking about where you're going to live important? As your as like an immediate thought process yeah. for retirement planning. So I mean, this is not a retirement strategy, but certainly goes to part of like how to prepare for retirement. Mm-hmm. So how many times have we heard when we're, in, when we're talking to somebody over the phone, or this is like the first phone call? Hey, I'm going to downsize, so I might not have I might have sixty percent of my expenses, mm-hmm. or it could be vice versa. I mean, once in a while we've actually found people. Instead of downsizing, they go the other direction and their expenses get higher. Oh, right, right. Know? So I think, you know, we talk about it a lot. You make sure they hey, you have enough income to pay the expenses. Well, if we're going to project out the expenses, if they're going to be less, say, two years from now after you downsize, we want to make sure that we're working with the right number. Right. Right. Um, had a conversation with, with a client who was also a good friend of, of mine. He is 60. Um, he's got a few years left. And they, you know, he's a he's a banker. He does everything like a banker. He does it right. They've always said, you know, what this house that we've raised the kids in, it's too big. We don't need it. Swim in the pool, you know, twice a year. It's a waste of money. Right. Sick and tired of dealing with all the leaves and this and that. So they actually, instead of retiring and then downsizing, they made the motions. They went through all the steps. They found this great townhouse. It's, you know, big enough. It's got a two-car garage and all this. Yeah. So they did the numbers. They sold their house. They bought this new townhouse. They actually pocketed $400,000. Wow. So they're like, great, this is, I got $400,000, you know, at 5% return. I can spend this much more. But now they're into the house and they realize, I'm, I'm not spending nearly as much. Because I'm not paying, you know, ten thousand dollars a year for the landscaper and the, and, the, and the guy that's shoveling the snow. His taxes went down from whatever the number is to a much smaller number because the house is worth less. Right. Then he's like, "Wow, you know, I don't have to pay for the pool guy to clean the pool and this and that." And what they all added up was. And then he said, "Sam, you know, this is going to sound like a lot of money, but I'm spending like five hundred and fifty bucks a month on my condo fees." And I'm like, "Well, that's a pretty good number." Yeah. But what you don't understand is that includes my my insurance that includes my water bill and, oh, you know wow. so robin now just runs the water she doesn't care about shutting it off you know <laughs> but it included Four everything hours a day <laughs> yeah. and so on on that note when he was figuring out his retirement sort of projection it mm-hmm. wasn't just hey i got an extra four hundred thousand dollars that i can use as an investment and live off of but i'm i'm actually spending substantially less, less. than i was because i've downsized right so that's a that's a that's you know where do you want to live has a lot to do with lifestyle. Do you want to be closer to the kids? Do you want to, you know, move to the, to the Midwest because the standard cost of living is less, but you're right. far away from everybody. 
But a lot of times people just want to stay locally, but downsize and put a few bucks in their pocket. Right. And that's, you know, that's not a good, not a bad thing to go through and go through that exercise. Right. And like, it's all personal preference. Like you said, your, your friend's situation is, hey, the house is too big. We don't need it. So they downsized. And like you just said, there might be some people who are like, hey, I either want to stay where I am because the house is paid off and maybe their yeah. expenses will go down because yeah. the mortgage is just finally paid off and they get to just live in the house right. for their sort of life. And then there's the people that might want to, you were saying that they kind of go into the, the luxury condos, right? But before we can do any of the rest of those calculations and figure out what you're going to need in retirement, you need to kind of understand or have an idea of where you want to be because that number is going to come back. 100%. I'd say probably more often than not, people, when they go into retirement, they're spending less for like housing costs. We, we had a conversation with a client the other day and they live in a you know, nice town, but they, they have this much smaller home down the Cape, but they love the Cape. That's like mm -hmm. their slice of heaven. He's like, I just sold my house and I moved to the Cape full time. So there you go, you go from having two bills, two of everything to one. To just one. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a nice way to make sure that you can sustain your, your lifestyle in retirement. Nice. So let's move on to the next uh, step in this process, which is calculating your expenses. And this is where understanding. Make sure you write that down. Step number three. That's right. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> write it down. First, think about where you're going to live, and think about again roughly where that's going to be, and then you can calculate your expenses in 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 retirement. I well, guess right to to the point where we were just talking about this example of right. downsizing. I mean, there's really two types of expenses. There's the essential expenses. Okay. That's your housing costs, that's your food, mm -hmm. that's your health care, that's your, you know, maybe your, your car payment, your maintenance. But then there's lifestyle expenses. Right. You know, we all, we all want to not just sit home and watch TV every day when we retire. We want to do things. Right. So that could be your entertainment expenses, your travel expenses. Right. Which probably down this year. <laughs> <laughs> this year, but this we know year, that they'll, right? they'll, they'll be going um, back up soon. We have, you know, I like to golf, so maybe I play more rounds of golf. And right. Maybe you like to play, uh, you know, dif different sports. And mm -hmm. you like to ski, and you want to not just ski up in New Hampshire, but go to, you know, go out to the, to the west, go to Colorado and ski. And that's going right. to cost you more money. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we have a good handle and a good grasp on the expenses. It's really important to not only know it, but write it down. Right. Yeah. And and this doesn't mean like because, oh, hey, we're trying to have you calculate your, your expenses. You don't have to right now, again, if this is your first step towards overcoming that retirement anxiety, retirement planning anxiety, you don't need to know down to the last penny what no, those expenses are right now. But again, the idea is, again, number one, understand where you're going to live. And number two, once you kind of figure out what those essential expenses are going to be now that you know where you're going to live and what your other bills are going to be, those lifestyle expenses, like you said, if you have – you know, if you want to travel or if you have sure. a hobby, if you're retired, you might do that hobby more now than you are when, you, when you're currently working. Yeah. Like you said, you're not, you're not golfing less in retirement. You're probably going to golf more if Born that's your 100%. thing. 100%. And this might, I might be jumping ahead, but I think a lot of times when people say, and they come in and talk to us, and they say, hey, you know, are we on track? How much money do we have to save? Well, I have no, much, I have no idea how much money you're going to spend. Right. So, so really kind of working backwards really helps people understand and, and in many cases, like we're talking about the anxiety. Well, if you know you're going to spend $5,000 and you know you have this much money saved, and we can show you that even if we, if we back in like taxes and inflation yep. and we test that number, that $5,000 number against what you've saved by taking $5,000 a month out, and we can actually show you after we've mathematically test 
that, hey, you know what? Your money's going to last till you know, whatever, 90 years old. Right, right. That anxiety is going to go down, isn't it? Exactly right. Yeah. And that actually is, is step number four, I guess, which is calculating your income in retirement. And there's different avenues or revenue streams that people can have in retirement. And we've talked about some previous episodes. Yeah. But just to kind of recap for people that are watching for the first time. Well, day. there's many ways of getting income. You know, there's you can invest in money and just take take money out. That's mm-hmm. that's income. You could put money in. I have some dividend paying stocks. I see that dividend. I know exactly what it is every quarter. I get the check. I know what it's going to be. Some people use, um, you know, real estate rental income. Right. At the end of the day, you want to make sure that you have as many income sources as possible. Right. And if they could be guaranteed, that would be a fantastic thing. Right. You know, you look back in the day, how sort of my parents retired. We have this term here at the company called the three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. And the three-legged stool is more like one and a half legs these days. <laughs> but the three-legged stool used to be, well, most people had a pension because they worked for one employer. Right. That most employers had a pension. They had Social Security. And then if they needed additional monies, they could take that, make a withdrawal from their savings. Right. Well, today, pensions, I don't want to say a thing of the past, but... Very few people we know right. have pensions, and then Social Security. You know that's that's in a that's a whole different league itself. You got to make sure that you you have a strategy to maximize your Social Security. But then now on the flip side, there's a buzz, and there's talk about Social Security running out, especially right. with with the new, you know, all the money, all the stimulus money that's been going in, and people being unemployed. Social Security is mostly funded by payroll taxes, mm-hmm. so if there's less people. Working. working. There's yep. So down the road, they're projecting that Social Security benefits that you are expecting is going to get cut by about 25, 27%. Okay. So we need to know that, right? Right. And then which really puts a lot of a lot of strain, essentially, on that last leg, which is your savings. Right. So that's why it's really so important to make sure that your money is you know designed and put in the right places, et cetera. Right. If I am, let's say, 60 years old and I am... Again, on my first, I'm just starting to figure out what my income is going to be in retirement. And I'm like, oh, Social Security. Like, how do I know what I'm, again, it might change, but how do I know what I'm owed in Social Security or what I'm Very easy. Perfectly get. Funny that you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I went on socialsecurity.gov. Just look to at that. You got little printouts and right? everything. <laughs> just to actually look at my own stuff. Yeah. And back in the day, they would send it to you, you know, once a year. I think. I don't know if they still do. You have to opt in to get a paper copy. Okay. But if, if anybody's watching this and you haven't done it, I would strongly encourage you to do that. It's ssa.gov. Okay. And then if you don't have an, you know, if you have an account, you have to create an account, you know, all the private information or what right, have you. Right. But for, for a variety of reasons. One, you want to make sure that you check to see there's no errors. Okay. Just like you should check your, your credit, credit report. Yep. You know, I checked my credit report two years ago. I, actually, I check my credit report all the time, but two years ago I checked my wife's credit report, and I literally did one of these because there was an outstanding mortgage. It's lit- it was literally my wife's first name, middle name, last name, same exact person. Lived in Lynn. I lived in Bedford. Wow. And there was like a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage. I'm like, where did that come from? And I was I when I tell you talk about anxiety, I literally started to sweat like like instantly. And it wasn't one of those horror stories that, you know, it took me two Somebody years to get identity, this. Yeah. It was literally same person, same exact name, and they had their mortgage on my wife's. But so it, oh, we got wow. cleared up like that. 
But when you log into socialsecurity.gov, it shows all of your earnings for the last 20 years, 30 years. And yep. listen, mistakes happen. Right. So if you made $100,000 and they only gave you credit for $50,000, you shortchange yourself on that Social Security payment. Right. So you want to make sure, number one, that all of your Social Security earnings are accurate. Right. But number two, it gives you a sort of a pretty good picture to, so to budget. Mm-hmm. So my 62 number, let me see, I can take the glasses off to look at this. So you can start taking Social Security at age, as early as age 62. Okay. And if I did that, I'm 55, so seven years from now, I'm eligible for $2,200 a month. Okay. At full retirement age, I'm eligible for 3150 a month. And okay. if I prolong that to maximum of age 70, and these numbers grow by 8% every single year, yep. I can get almost $4,000 a month. It's like 39 and change. Wow. So I just did some quick numbers. Yep. And I said, if I took my money at 62, because I feel like I should get my hands on it, mm-hmm. and use, multiply that number by 20 years, I would have received over my lifetime about $530,000. So a half a million bucks. Wow. Which is a ton of money. Yeah. But if I didn't need that, and I strategically, and you had you were working with a planner, and you had a written retirement plan, and you know, hey, you know what? Let the Social Security grow, because you can take money from elsewhere. And I started taking it at 70, and I do the same 20 years. Right. That's a totality of, that's a total number of 940 grand. Jeez. That's a difference of $410,000. Just by delaying it a Just little bit. Just by making sure that you make the right choice. Right. So that's a really important thing to sort of keep in mind. Because once you turn on Social Security, you can't turn it off, right? Like once I, you start collecting? You know, that's a trick question. I, oh. I don't believe you can. Right. Um, but, but why would you? You know, there was, you know there, was, there was other strategies, you know, stop and suspend back in the day, but those things have changed a little bit. Right, right, right. Um, right. But it, you just, my point is make sure that you make the right choice. Right. And don't, don't take it just not to take it. Exactly. Yeah, just because it's available to you doesn't mean it's the right time to take it. That's a very that's yeah. a very good. Point. I mean, on the flip side, I had a call the other day with a. She's not a client, prospective client. Loved the job, still working. She was seventy two, and she didn't start collecting Social Security. So I said, Well, well you're not going to like get more get by waiting. Yeah. So I actually did some research, and she can go back and retro back, and they owe her six months. Oh, cool. But she didn't collect for two years. Wow. So I think she lost a year and a half's worth of benefits. The, I wow. think you know so. That's, um, you know, you don't want to make that mistake. Exactly right. So that's why it is important. Like you said, ssa.gov is where you can go to kind of calculate what that would be. But this kind of leads into tip number five or step number five, which is making sure that your your portfolio is well balanced. Because Mm. like you said, if if you see at 62, you can get X amount of money and you just think that you need that money right away because you haven't done your due diligence and figure out what your other income streams are in retirement. And hey, if I take Social Security now, I'm missing out on 8% growth for these next couple of or years. Or you just take it and turn around and put it in the bank and pay taxes on it and then earn and then point five percent something, yeah. right? <laughs> and that's on a good bank right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. So this, again, leads us into, into st- or tip number five or step number five, which is making sure your portfolio is well-balanced. And again, this is something that we've talked about in previous episodes. So if you don't have a well-balanced portfolio, what are some things we could be exposed to? Um, a, a lot, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, the market... I mean, think about just this past year. Everything was chugging along great. Come February, you hear this pandemic thing, COVID-19 and this and that, and you're like, well, what's, boom, all of a sudden come end of uh, March, beginning of April, you know, people weren't prepared. Right. So a lot of people panicked, and 
in most accounts probably went down some double digits. I can't imagine how many people said, I'm not going to let this be another 2008 again. I learned my lesson and they took everything out and it's been sitting in cash since. Well, what's happened since? I mean, the market's been cranking. Been crazy, right? yeah. So at the end of the day, nobody knows what the future holds. Market volatility is going to be here forever and ever. Right. And that's why when you say having a well-balanced, a well-balanced savings plan, a portfolio for somebody that's 35 right. is a lot different than somebody that's 62 and ready to go out in two years. Right. So the things that could really hurt that person in my opinion, the, the biggest thing that can hurt somebody, and we've talked about this in past episodes, is the sequence of returns risk, right. which simply means nothing more than you have too much of your money going like this, and then all of a sudden you pay, you stop working, you retire, here we go, I'm gonna enjoy life, yep. and you start withdrawing money, but instead of doing this, your portfolio is doing more of this. Right. And it's a double whammy, because you're losing value all by itself, but then you're also pulling money out. Right. And that's not a good way to start your retirement. You know? <laughs> that's kind of like a recipe for disasters. And, and we have all these studies, what happens if you go back the last 20 years and this happened versus that happened. So we, when you talk about a well-balanced portfolio and you know, sort of at our firm between John, my partner, and Ryan, my other partner, and the three of us, we have sort of three brains working together to put, mm -hmm. pull all these strategies together for clients. And really what it comes down to is just having money designed for specific purposes. Right. You know, money in the bank for liquidity to buy, make sure that you have six to 12 months worth of worth of expenses in liquid savings. We're not gonna complain about how little interest we're getting because that's, the, the, that's not the reason why the money's there. Right. Then we wanna absolutely have money in growth-oriented items, uh, uh, investments. I have money in a Fidelity account <clears throat> Fairly aggressive, yep. you know, goes up and down, and I expect that. Right. But I don't want to draw from that if it's going down. Right. Now I don't need to because I'm still working because I'm getting a paycheck. So for those that are near retirement or are in retirement, you need to have that third bucket, which is the income bucket, and you right. need to make sure that that's going to give you, at a minimum, the essential expenses that we talked about. No, no matter what happens, we know if we we need you know three thousand dollars a month to pay the essential expenses this amount of money in this third bucket is gonna give us that. Perfect. And then maybe you can get some additional money from the growth bucket for those lifestyle expenses. Right. So that's why working with uh, a financial advisor is a good idea because they can, they help you, again, create that, or not create that, but make sure that you have that balanced portfolio structure. 100%. You know, our firm is a full wealth management company. I deal with most of the safe stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, a, I'm that old dinosaur that you know thinks, hey, safety is paramount. And you, you need somebody on that team. Right, right. And then we have John and Ryan to help you decide, you know, hey, this is how we take on some risk. These are the portfolios that you can put together. So having a financial team that is really focused on helping people retire. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's better, but you should think about having that, especially if, you, if we're watching this because you're worried about and you have some anxiety about retirement planning. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, you took the words right out of my mouth. The whole purpose of this episode was, again, here's step by step yeah. to come over that anxiety. And if you're still feeling anxious, talk to a professional and someone that you can have that trust with and that you know is working in your best interest because they're taking a look. And it's not just someone that's like, oh, hey, I'm... I'm going to help you make more money. Boom, exactly. That's right. It. Someone that's going to say, hey, let's take a look at what you're, where you're going to be living, what your income is, what your expenses are, and a whole you know, outlook at your entire 
situation. And we have some great tools on the website. We do. People, yeah. Yep. That and that's, I was just going to drive people there. Sam, thank you so much. Oh, you got it. <laughs> you should have wrote it down. I should have you do the, uh, <laughs> you do the exit here. Yeah. If you do have, if you aren't already at after the paycheck right now, uh, head over there. And on the right side, there's a little link that says helpful worksheets. Click on that and you can actually download. We have an income gap calculator worksheet. We have a monthly budget worksheet. These are all tools that are designed to go in line with this episode here that you can download and fill out that information that goes along with what we were just talking about that helps you, again, start to see the situation and overcome that anxiety that comes with retirement planning. Again, if you're someone like me. You don't like want the me, ostrich effect. Exactly. That's right? and You don't want to be like me. Don't have the anxiety that I have. <laughs> Sam, thank you very much hey, for taking the time. Hey, Always a this, lot of fun. This was a really good episode, I feel, to really, again, address those people that are, if you're already in retirement, this is a good episode to kind of reaffirm those things. But if you are nearing retirement and you have not taken these steps yet, I would highly recommend you at least start to look at these things, write things down, calculate those expenses. Um, Until next time, take care. John Conley and Ryan Marston are investment advisor representatives of Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. Rabino and Lang Wealth Partners, LLC, and Retirement Wealth Advisors are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Insurance and annuities offered through licensed professionals of RNL Insurance Agency, LLC, Mass Insurance License 1783398.